What will he try to do? Denny Hamlin up to the back bumper. But the 43 of Eric Jones comes out of turn number four. Jones is going to win the Southern 500. That is the 200 win for the 43. What an underdog win. That is awesome. Good job, Eric Jones. Great job, Vicker. Love you guys. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, it's a solo episode, and uh, we got a lot to get to here, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. We're going to recap Darlington, what we saw on the racetrack, how we did with our bets, and just kind of everything that went down there that's worth talking about as we move forward. And then a quick stop there to talk about the playoffs and where we stand right now in the situation after coming out of Darlington, because there was a lot of ups and downs at that race. And we've got some guys on the outside looking in that I did not expect. So we will talk about that a little bit in some championship odds. And then we'll move forward to Kansas. It's the second time here. So we'll talk about everything we need to know about the track itself and then get to some picks, what we like as far as outrights. We talk about finishing position bets. I'm a little... uh, excited I guess you could say to talk about that one because I feel like I got a couple good ones there and even in the uh, outright section you know lately I've been a little bit more chalky this time going for some more value that's my strategy even my one chalky-ish pick you could consider a little bit more value this week so um, I'm excited about these picks this week and we'll, we'll take some swings and see what hits and then I'm going to get to some head-to-heads at the end, and uh, in that section, I'll talk a little bit more why I'm um, in the solo seat here tonight. I know that's usually where we bring on a guest to break things down, but uh, we'll talk about why I'm solo this week uh, with scheduling. And then, I've got a Phil's fired up. We haven't had any in a while, right? I've had guests on a lot, so I haven't had a chance to have a Phil's fired up, and this time it's a positive Phil's fired up because we've got truck series action. Friday night lights, baby. Yes, the trucks are back for Kansas, and I am very pumped to break down a couple guys that we want to call out for that race. So all good things here for Kansas this week. So let's talk about Darlington because that Jones boy got it done, as you heard in the intro. Wow. The 43 car back in victory lane. What a cool story. I mean, Eric Jones getting it done. We've been on Jones in various ways this year. I did not have the balls to really call him out as an outright. I had him in a top 10 bet, and uh, he just kept hanging around in that top 10 and then moving up to top 5, and I said to myself, wow, you know that... That would have been a nice top five bet. I wonder what his number would have been there because uh, he was plus 150 to finish in the top 10. And then uh, he just kept moving forward. Got to feel good for that guy. Just a shame it didn't happen like a race earlier. Uh, but Eric Jones, I mean, they, they proved that this next-gen car really does even the playing field out. He's been solid all year and just really cool, you know, especially – the segment where they had, you know, stage two, I guess, they had Kyle Petty in there with Dale Jr. and Dale Jarrett. And to hear Kyle Petty talk about Eric Jones and that 43 car, it was like, 
yeah, they really do respect Jones. He was saying he's doing some stuff that uh, Richard Petty didn't do. So uh, really cool to see that and to hear that from someone who's loosely involved in that team. And, you know, good for Jones. So had him in the top 10. Not an outright pick, though, uh, but happy for him nonetheless. So that's huge, I think, for the team. Obviously, you know, winning that race, but it's huge for the sport because now you're looking at guys who are loosely in his same range, right? I'm talking about Chris Buescher, Brad Keselowski, uh, drivers that, you know, are smaller teams and they're looking around saying, man, why can't we get a win now? Because, you know, you look to the 43 and say, they got it done. Why can't we do it? You know what I mean? The resources are not a big of a hurdle as they were in the past, and the 43 car just proved it. And how about, speaking of proving, they proved me wrong. Last week, I said that I've got just a hang-up on betting four drivers that are not in the playoffs. I said, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory, but it's not something that I want to do. I just feel like they usually get out of the way, and they give way to the, the playoff guys. No one wants to risk wrecking anybody, and man, I was proven wrong right off the bat here in the playoffs. I mean, this is the first time in the history of this format that we've had a non-playoff driver win this early. Uh, In the first race, that's crazy. So, man, what does the playoffs hold for us here moving forward? I mean, I'm looking at you, Truex. That is something that uh, I guess we could say he's open for business now because I've kind of considered him at least out of it for the first, uh, I don't know, six races or so in the playoffs. But, Maybe not. Jones proven everybody wrong in a number of different ways, so good for him. As far as the bets were concerned for, you know, the way we did on the podcast and the things we called out on uh, Instagram on race day, a little bit of a a rough week, be straight honest with you. Uh, We hit the top 10 for Jones, but obviously we didn't have an outright. I had an outright on Hamlin, so he was tracking him down. So if he had uh, caught Jones, that would have been a nice night for me as had the Hamlin win in the top 10 for Jones. Um, we had a top 10 on McDowell that hit, so that was good. But other than that, uh, the bets did not really fall my way. I threw a lot of eggs in the Kevin Harvick basket. I had him top 10. I had him sprinkled on an outright. I had him in a head-to-head matchup. And uh, really, everything went up in flames. Yeah, pun intended there for Kevin Harvick and the bets that we had on him. So that was um, tough to see happen. Obviously, you know, he was very outspoken after the race and still, you know, days later on Twitter, he's still chirping NASCAR about what happened there with his car just catching on fire and, you know, forcing him to be eliminated. And now he's uh, down in the playoff hunt, but we'll talk about that in a second. So a uh, bit of a rough, rough week for the, the gambling purposes, but the race itself was really fun. I was talking to Ryan Stevens last week. He was our guest last week, and he talked about how he DVRs the race from time to time, and he has to um, watch it on tape delay. And that was the situation I was in, and I just want to say to everyone, it was very enjoyable. Um, the only thing that wasn't enjoyable was just, like, avoiding everything on your phone. I had to mute, like, a bunch of chats on uh, my text messages and, you know, really screen anything that came in. But uh, for the most part, it was very enjoyable. I was able to sit down. I got some uh, – I actually got, like, just way too drunk accidentally watching this race uh, by myself in the basement and uh, just having fun watching it. I guess that's how you know things just kept uh, going down easy. So, hey, DVR is definitely an option. The only downside is you can't live bet. And I remember thinking from time to time, man, I would like to take something on this guy. And I wonder, I, I 
I didn't hear anybody that took Jones live. I don't know if they had shut it down by the time he really looked like a force, but um, it would have been interesting to see what you could have got him at on a live bet. But in any case, DVR is definitely an option if you're out there and uh, you've always wondered if you could pull that off. Man, it worked out well for me on Saturday night. So the playoff picture, I mentioned Harvick. What a bad break for Harvick. I mean, he is now dead last in the playoff hunt, but couple races left here that he, you know, typically does well at, so he's not totally out of it. So this is where, when you're looking at championship odds, uh, and some books now offer odds to make the round of 12. I know Barstool has offered that. Those odds are not up at the moment, but I like it when you can get somebody of, you know, really good talent like Harvick, and they're in dead last, the odds then become more in your favor as the gambler. Obviously, it's a tougher task, but he's not that far out of it. I think he's like 14 points to the bad. That is not something that's insurmountable. So Harvick might be worth a look for a championship sprinkle, but definitely for a round of 12 if you're getting plus money there because it was uh, really just Austin Dillon that was uh, right around the, the plus money mark to make the round of 12. I think he might have been like minus 105 to make the uh, championship 12. So I'm interested to see now if they update those odds and we give us some plus money on somebody like Harvey because I would be into that bet if it became available. As far as other championship bets are concerned, Joey Logano, uh, he's plus 900, 9 to 1 to win the championship. Uh, that seems pretty solid right now. He's just slow and steady wins the race, I guess. Uh, you don't typically want to say that sort of thing in racing, but he's just kind of going about his business and he leads the championship points right now. So nine to one, I expected him to be a little bit shorter than that. So might be worth a, a look there, but let me know what you think about Logano. You know, he, he's kind of just doing his thing and I think he could be there in the end. And then the reason he's leading the points is because we had Chase Elliott, our points leader, using up all of his points early in the playoffs first race he's basically cashing in on that uh 45 point whatever he gets for the, winning the regular season championship plus the the wins uh, he had such a, a big lead going in and now he's right in the thick of it you know he can't really mess up anymore in this round so chase has dropped to plus 340 in the championship race uh, and I had a, a message from our guy Kyle on Twitter made a really good point, right? Because I was talking about Chase and whether it's worth throwing a championship bet on somebody like him. And I was going back and forth. Kyle made a great point to me, and I just want to call it out. This is kind of the thinking of uh, I've been listening to Stanford Steve and the Bear for college football content, and they make this point a lot about conference championship games. So the point that we're trying to make about Chase is if you truly believe that Chase is going to be in the championship four, his odds are not going to be anything close to plus 340 at that time. So if you really believe that Chase is going to be there, you're not going to get him at that value. So you might as well take them now, which is a, a good point to call out. I mean, and like I said, that's what they talk about with the football. Um, you know, if, if they talk about Ohio State, right, in the Big Ten, their odds to win the Big Ten championship right now, like plus 150, plus 200. In that game, whoever they're playing, 
they're not going to be that number. So you might as well take it now if you truly believe that they're going to win. I'm calling out Ohio State, it makes me sick, but uh, I digress. So that's the point we want to make about Chase. Good point there by Kyle. I thought that was uh, really resonated with me, so I wanted to call that out. As we're talking about the playoff picture and the championship hunt. So with all that being said, we'll put Darlington in the rear view and we will transition to Kansas Speedway here for the second race of this playoff round. I think that Kansas is the, in the perfect position in the playoffs because you got the Southern 500, the fanfare that comes with it, super long race to kick off this round, and then you got the Bristol night race to end it. Well, Kansas, I think, is the perfect stable racetrack for these drivers, a 1.5 intermediate track, low tire wear, um, we're going to get to that in a second, but uh, it's just perfect setup for this second trip in this round. And uh, speaking of second trips, this is the second time they've been here this year, so that's even better because the teams have more information that they can pull from, and the gamblers have a lot more data to kind of mull over here as we try to get serious about making some picks. So uh, I really enjoy uh, this spot for Kansas. Now, you know, in the past, I've been kind of a, a critic of the cookie cutter tracks, the 1.5 miles, but you know, how could you be if you're making some big bets? Because you've got so much information at your disposal, it should be a little bit more predictable than say a, a Daytona or a road course or anything like that. So that's why it's good to get behind it now. So I mentioned that this was kind of a, a low tire wear track historically, but uh, do you remember race one? I mean, my goodness, not that the, the tires were wearing down on long runs, but the tires were just blowing left rear tires were at a premium in race one, and that was causing all sorts of issues for various drivers. So that was um, a pretty interesting thing, you know, definitely worth going back and at least watching the, the race highlights from race one to kind of get a sense of who was decent the first time around and see which drivers ran into that sort of trouble. Now, speaking of tires, they're going to use the same right side tires as Pocono, uh, but the new left tires are coming into play. So I'd have to imagine that, you know, they're, they're trying to do something to correct that issue that they had last time around at Kansas, because that was crazy. It was just everywhere you look, guys with left rears going down out of nowhere. William Byron came to mind right now as I'm talking from the lead that happened to him. So uh, let's get to some track stats here. The Cup Series has gone to Kansas a total of 33 times, including the one earlier this year. And the winner has started from the pole eight times. The last time it happened was a year ago. This race, Kyle Larson in 2021. The winner, starting within the top five, is 53% of the time. That's a huge number. I mean, Kurt Busch was our winner in the springtime, and he started fifth. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second here. And top tens, the winner starting within the top 10, 65% of the time. So why is that important? It's because 53% is such a high number compared to what we normally see. So, um, and then, you know, typically when you see a high number like that, you see a higher number for top tens, but really that's not the case here. It's kind of a small spectrum, 53% um, to 65%. That is not very large. So 
it's really you're starting in the top five and then things kind of spread out a little bit um, over the, the course of history here. The winner has started outside of the top 20 only three times. The last time it happened was Denny Hamlin in 2019. So Denny, we'll talk about him later on, I'm not calling him out to win the race, but he has the ability to drive through the field. That is for sure. Manufacturer trends. If you're looking for a pattern or a manufacturer that stands out above the rest, it's Toyota. They've been the best here over the last 10 races or so. It, it's Toyota or nothing, really. Uh, Chevy and Ford, you know, they've hung around. They've got a couple wins apiece here in the last 10 races, but it's it's been Toyota. So speaking of that, I mean, all six Toyota drivers finished in the top 10 last time we were here. That is just an absolutely wild stat. So, man, Toyota... Definitely has a leg up, it seems like, compared to these other drivers and these other race teams. So to talk about kind of what I'm looking at as far as putting a, a data set together here and, and how we're gathering this information, I'm looking at the last 10 races at Kansas. I think that's going to be super important to really dive into this racetrack specifically. So going back 10 races, they come here twice a year, so that's really only back to like 20 18 maybe one race in 2017 that's not that far ago five years ago um, so a lot of good information you could pull from kansas specifically but if you want some comp tracks obviously we have kansas from this year charlotte and vegas are some other intermediate race tracks and then our guy ryan from i fantasy race he's calling out michigan because he thinks that uh can excuse me kansas is a mini michigan so i'll include that as well so we've got four comp tracks that we can pull from. So I'm looking at the green flag speeds from this season. We've been to all those tracks already this year and also calling out how the drivers have done at those uh, races, not just the green flag speed, but average finish and any other stat that we can find from this season at those four tracks. Four races is a pretty good sample size. So if you're including Michigan, uh, like I am, um, that's a, a pretty good group of tracks there to pull information from. And obviously we'll look a little bit harder at how these guys did at Kansas race number one. So looking at the favorite, it is Denny Hamlin. He's plus 550 on DraftKings. Uh, you can get him at plus 650 a couple other places like MGM or Barstool. But um, I have my eyes on somebody coming into this. Obviously I like Hamlin. We're going to get something on him later, but I am looking at more of a, I don't know, more of a value play. I'm not taking a, a 60 to one shot like Eric Jones last week when he won, but uh, I am looking for something, you know, a little further down the list. I'm not looking at the plus 550 number. So we'll call out three guys who I consider are decent value for what they're giving you. All right. They're not locks by any means, but neither is the favorite every week. When was the last time the favorite had won? So that's why I'm going a little bit further down the list. I wouldn't consider these chalky except for maybe one. So we'll start with that one. And it's Kyle Larson. I was a little bit surprised to see Larson at the eight to one number. He was a few people down the list and that really got my attention. I, I almost missed him because I assumed that he was going to be up at the top, but he was not. So that really got my attention right away because I think 8-1 to one plus 800, that's incredible value for Kyle Larson here. His last two finishes at Kansas were second in the spring and first last year. I mean, that's just wild. Last 10 races at this racetrack, in that time period, he's only raced eight times. 
and he's got one win, four top fives, five top tens. A lot of that success has been more recent, which is phenomenal to see. You love when a driver's starting to figure out a racetrack. His average finish is eighth in the circuit, 11.3, but his driver rating is second out of everyone. And that's a, a big jump there. 110.2 is his driver rating. That's really incredible. Anything over 100 for a driver rating, whenever we talk about that stat, that means that that driver really has it going on there. And that's a, a big deal. That tells a, a bit of a different story. It's telling us that he's had you know really good cars here. He's been strong here. And you know with that 11.3 average finish, maybe just hasn't gotten that finish that he quote-unquote deserves. But uh, it means that... It's a solid bet if you're going to bet on a driver to come to the racetrack with a good car. Man, Kyle Larson seems like he could be that guy. Now, in 2022, green flag speed at those comp four tracks, he is fourth at the green flag speed stat. And with those four tracks, if you're looking at the average finish among them, Kyle Larson is first in average finish, 5.0, second at Vegas and Kansas. So, in addition to all that with Kyle Larson, right? He's, he clearly has enough stats to make you say, wow, I, I could bet on Kyle Larson. And in addition to that, he's Kyle Larson. He passes the name test. You're looking at the odds, plus 800. Whew, uh, pretty damn good. But the eye test, if you look at how he did at Kansas last spring, he hit the wall like five times. Like if he's able to keep, he's able to hit the wall and keep driving. It happened at least five times. And that was just miraculous to me. I was watching the, the replay of the race, and I remember that happening. And I think I might have had something on Larson at that point. I don't know what I had in the Kansas race to start, but um, I, I think I remember cheering for Larson for some reason and just kept saying, how is he keeping that car together after slamming into the wall? So clearly he likes to run, you know, a little bit more recklessly up against the wall, but he slammed it and was able to keep the car together. If he doesn't do that, he beats Kurt by a mile, right? So you have to imagine they're having that conversation this week in the team meetings. Like, hey, Kyle, that race was yours for the picking, man. And if you just keep the car from slamming into the wall, you're, you're driving away cruising. Now, last week, they obviously had some adversity. They had the engine situation. A few of the Hendrick cars kind of got into it. Obviously, Chase ran into his issues that were not engine-related, but um, I think Byron might have had some issues as well. But what I saw from Kyle Larson, talking about the eye test, that car was dead in the water. Like, they had it on pit road, and they're losing laps, and you're saying to yourself, oh my, this is bad. You know, but somehow the team got him back out on the racetrack and he was just battling. It, it just shows that he was a decent pick last week to win the race. The, the car just didn't, you know, put him in that position. But he as a driver was just battling the whole race and ended up staying in the top, I think, 15. Unbelievable job by Kyle Larson to really just keep that together, keep their composure, and, and not go down a million points in the playoffs as it looked like it was going to be when they showed him on pit road. So Kyle Larson, plus 800. I really think that he is worth your time to investigate here for an outright. And if you don't like that, how about a top five bet for Kyle Larson? He's plus 100. He's plus money to finish in the top five. I don't remember the last time that was the case, but he's shooting at a 50% rate. In eight races, he's got four of them. 
So I think that could be worth your time as well. So Kyle Larson, uh, I guess if I have a chalkyish pick, it's him this week at plus 800. So now we'll move on to the second driver that I'm calling out, and he's a 10-to-1 shot. And these next two guys, I don't know if there'll be a lot of people kind of riding with me on these, but I want to make a case, right? I'm trying to choose a little bit different people um, than I have been in the past, and I'm, I'm going to go with Christopher Bell at 10-to-1. I really like what I'm seeing from Christopher Bell more recently, and I think 10-to-1 is a very good value here. So Christopher... You know, you're going to have to kind of make um, your case here for him. Now, driver rating his last 10 races at Kansas. Uh, he's got, you know, I think six races or five races in that time span. His driver rating is 11th. It's 89.0. So that's obviously not something that's phenomenal, but you have to remember that uh, half that time or, or for a chunk of that time, he was driving the 95 car. So there's something there to be said. His average finish is 10th in that time span, 14.8, which I think is actually pretty good. So um, the full story here behind those stats, it, it is five starts for Christopher Bell. He's got one top five, three top tens in that time period. That's pretty good. He won the pole here and uh, at one point. So he's last two starts, he's finished eighth and fifth. So this is a driver who has been good you know, on intermediate tracks and clearly at Kansas, he's starting to get the hang of it here. And I want to be on it if he were to figure the whole goddamn thing out and advance to the next round of the playoffs with a victory. I mean, how could you, you know, be, I would be upset, I guess, if I did not take a 10 to one shot on Bell and then I saw him beating me on race day. But looking at 2022, the intermediate tracks, his average finish in those four races 11.5 but you got to look deeper you got to look deeper if you're you know trying to make a case here because there's something that kind of skews that stat he had a 26th place finish at Michigan and if you remember he got chastained at Michigan and he was running very well I mean extremely well top five speed in that race and he ends up finishing 26 because of old Ross the watermelon man now, the other three tracks, he finished 5th, 10th, and 5th. So, clearly, you know, that average finish of 11.5, that got a little skewed. So, if you just look at that at face value, you might say to yourself, well, Bell's not worth it, but I'm digging deeper here. An average laps led at these comp tracks. He's 5th in NASCAR. 26.2 average laps led. That is not a name that I expected to see at the top five of average laps led at these four comp tracks. So green flag speed at Kansas. This is something that I, you know, I'm really looking into because it's one thing to just look at the green flag speed, but it's another thing to look at the full race picture, how they did. They break the race into quarters. Christopher Bell was first in green flag speed in that first quarter. He ended up, you know, getting caught up in something and dropped to, you know, outside the top 10 for the second and third quarter of the race, but he fought back and was fifth at the end of the race. So fifth green flag speed in the last quarter of that Kansas race, that is extremely important to me because it says that they figured something out, got faster, you know, as the race went on, they made some adjustments that ended up working and the team has some good notes that they can work off of here. Um, he's fifth overall. If you're looking at, you know, just the, the face value of green flag speed at Kansas plus the others, he's fifth in green flag speed at these contracts. So there's value here. 
That's the point that I'm trying to make. 10 to 1 for a guy like this. I'm very interested in that. So lock me in for the 20 car at 10 to 1. Now, the last guy that I'm calling out, it's funny because I actually have a season-long head-to-head win total matchup with Bell and this next guy I'm calling out, Tyler Reddick. Uh, so Tyler Reddick is going off at 12 to 1, and I really think that that's good value for this guy. Um, so he's really putting things together here lately at all different tracks You know, in this season. So he finished third last week. He finished second at Daytona in an absolutely wonky race, like absolutely insane to, to have a second place finish in that rain race um, is just mind boggling. And then he finished seventh at Watkins Glen. So my point is really lately, doesn't matter what kind of track they're throwing at the, the eight car. He's been doing pretty damn good. And if you um, skip over a, a couple poor finishes, he finished fourth in Pocono as they um, ran on the racetrack, he ended up getting a second place finish there because of the disqualifications. But you know, at Pocono, where they ran these right side tires, he was a, a top five driver there as well. So uh, that is intriguing to me, right? Because Redicana was hot early on. A lot of people were on him to win the championship, and then he fell off for a lot of the summertime. But like I'm saying right now, he's starting to really gather momentum up. And is it for a championship push? Maybe they were just buying their time here as they uh, get ready for these last nine races of the playoffs, or at least these next two to try to advance. Remember, three races at a time here. So he doesn't show up on a ton of the Kansas Speedway data. All right, so he's got six races here and two top 10 finishes to show for it. So it's definitely worth looking at things that stand out about Kyle Larson, you know, on this type of track. 18.0 is his average finish on the four comp tracks this year. So that's obviously like, ugh, you know, why would I be behind Tyler Reddick there? But his driver rating is sixth in NASCAR, these four comp tracks, 93.3. That is a huge discrepancy, right? 18.0 average finish, 93.9 driver rating. So I had to look into that a little bit further. And he had an engine kind of spoil his day at Michigan. But other than that, Kansas, he was great. Total green flag speed was 15th. But the first half of that race, he was third and second. He ended up, I mean, he was very fast. He ended up hitting the wall like Kyle Larson did, but he wasn't really able to kind of keep it together like Larson. So the point is that Tyler Reddick is someone who had it going on at this racetrack in this season with this car third and second green flag speeds in the first two quarters of that race hit the wall. And then that kind of upset the car for the rest of the day and did not get the finish that, you know, they probably would have liked for what they were seeing earlier in that race. Like he, I think he put the car second on the outside pole and ended up leading the, the first few laps. I mean, Reddick is definitely nobody to look past. He finished uh, third fastest at Charlotte as well. So if you're just looking at green flag speed in general, this race team has been fast on these types of tracks. I think that they're talking about how Kansas number one was a learning experience for this guy. And, you know, if he can keep it together, not make those young guy mistakes, this car could be in victory lane. I mean, 12 to one, another guy that I just don't want to get beat by on race day. So, 
Um, then you know that I love this stat about who's best in the last 10% of the race, and he is second in the stat of average spots gained in the last 10% of the race. It's Kyle Larson, 3.5 average spots gained. That is a big deal to me, and it really has translated well. You know, the stat that um, how it looks on paper does translate well to what we've been seeing week in and week out on the racetrack. So um, these are guys that I don't want to lose to, so I want to get in on them early. Not saying that, uh, you know, I won't bet on anybody else to win, but uh, I like these guys. Kyle Larson, 8-1, to Christopher Bell, 10-1, to and Tyler Reddick, 12-1 to in the outrights this week. So next up, we're going to get to the finishing position bets area here, the segment of the podcast. And if it sounds like I'm uh, coming in a little bit different, that's because I am. I'm in a different place now. Um, And this is kind of because DraftKings took so long to put their odds out. I was not able to get my recording schedule as normal. So um, with the kids running around in the background, it's just you know, that dog just won't hunt, so we needed to find a new place. So um, here we are, and thanks to DraftKings, I don't know, maybe a little extra hangover from the long weekend. Not sure what they were doing this week with their odds. They were late to the game. Basically, everybody else had their odds out except for them, but they have finally come out with them, so we will get to it now. And I'm going to start with somebody who I am pretty surprised that I have you know, kind of landed on because of the second half of the season not really going the way that we all probably would have expected. And it's Alex Bowman. So hang with me here because he's going off at plus 100, plus money to finish in the top 10 this week at Kansas. So I know that sounds a little crazy from what we've seen from him lately, but uh, I have a case to make here about this. So in the last 10 races, he actually only has nine starts in that time span at Kansas, and he's got two top fives, five top tens. And those, you know, races also include two 11th place finishes. So he's seven for nine finishing in the top 11. So a top 10 bet seems like it's a pretty good one. If you were to make that bet, it seems like Bowman would be able to make it a race for you. He's going to keep you in the race at Kansas. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And then when you look at the other stats here, his average finish in that time span, 9.9. Well, that's exactly what we're looking for in a top 10. And that's sixth on the circuit in NASCAR in that time span. So that's something. And then driver rating actually equals ninth as well during that time span. So at Kansas, clearly there's a case to be made that he knows his way around that track. But how about 2022? Because green flag speed this year on the comp tracks, he's actually 10th in NASCAR. And at Kansas earlier this year, his green flag speed was 10th. So again, another feather in the cap. But then if we look at average finish in 2022 at Kansas, Michigan, Charlotte, and Vegas, his average finish is second out of everybody in the sport, 7.3. He won Vegas, 9th, 10th, and 9th, the other positions at the other tracks. He's 4 for 4, finishing in the top 10 at these comp tracks. So that is what really has my attention here. When I'm seeing that he's plus money, I had to snag it. I don't know if it'll stay there. I'm anxious to see, will the line shift? Will people actually jump on that or not? Uh, And if it goes the other way, if it starts to go plus 125, plus 150 after qualifying, I might jump on that again because clearly 
there's something about this track and these types of tracks that this guy likes. Now, in addition to the top 10 bet, he's going off at plus 330 right now on DraftKings in a group bet. And the guys that he's going up against are Byron, Suarez, and Gibbs. So I'm not diving fully into you know all of these other guys, but Byron has been kind of struggling just like him. And uh, Suarez and Gibbs, you know, kind of considering them lower tier. So plus 330, even better value. And all you have to do is beat three other guys. So uh, Alex Bowman, somebody who I'm keeping my eye on this weekend. I'm going to look for, you know, maybe a, a head-to-head matchup that we like if he's plus money there as well. So Bowman, like I said, surprising myself on that one, but uh, the plus money really has my attention. So he's my first call out here in the finishing position area. Now, we're going to move on to uh, another more so creative bet. We're going to go with Kevin Harvick. I, I wanted to find a way to take him because I like how he's angry this week about what went down at Darlington and the car catching on fire and his beef with NASCAR in general. And I'm finding plus odds right now. He's plus 225 to be the top Ford. Now he's plus 1500 to win the race. So I think I might even throw a little sprinkle on that as well, but uh, a little bit more realistic because you know, he is back of the pack as far as the standings and the playoffs are concerned. So I think that they're just looking to go out and kind of right the ship a little bit. And I think there's a, a legit chance of him being a top four because two of the last three races at Kansas, he was the top four. And if you look further down the line, four of the last five races, he was within the top two forts. So he's going to give you kind of like what we we're saying about Bowman a second ago. Uh, he's going to give you a fighting chance in this bet, it would seem, as history would have it. He's going to keep you in that hunt. In his last 10 races, if you want some of his stats here, oh man, that'll put you over the top. One win, five top fives, seven top tens here. First in driver rating is all of NASCAR. So he, you know, needed to get on my card in some way, shape, or form. In 2022, he's got the third best average finish at the comp tracks. And that's important because as we're comparing him to the other Fords, the closest Ford to him in that category of average finish this year is Logano, and he's in 10th as far as average finish is concerned. And he's also got the best driver rating of all the Fords on these four comp tracks. So Kevin Harvick at plus 225, you're getting some plus money on a guy to beat the other Fords. Even if he goes out, you know, we've seen races where at Kansas, uh, might have been earlier this year, where Ford was way down the list. I think Brian Blaney might have been the top Ford last time around in the spring. He was like 12th place, 11th place or something like that. So uh, even if the Ford camp doesn't have it going on this year, you know, all you have to do is beat those other guys. So I like the plus money here on Harvick. Now, speaking of manufacturers, we got some specials here. And the thing that jumped out to me was, any manufacturer to have a one, two, three finish. It's plus 425. And I thought to myself, well, that actually sounds pretty good uh, to finish one, two, three. But I ended up looking into it, and that has never happened at Kansas as far back as I felt like going. I was going way back, and I could not find a manufacturer finishing one, two, three. So then I started focusing on the specific manufacturers to finish one, two. Toyota is plus 400, Chevy plus 350. And Ford, the aforementioned Ford, they are plus 2,000. So I think it, your money would be better spent because it's more of a shot to finish 1-2 of any of these manufacturers rather than 1-2-3. So if you take the amount of money that you're going to spend, say you're going to spend, you know, 
three units on uh, plus 425 for any manufacturer to finish one, two, three? No. I would take that money and put a, a unit each on the others, and you would still make out with some plus money. Even if you want to sprinkle Ford a little bit, plus 2,000, you could throw half on that and still make out okay. So um, that's where we're going there with the manufacturer bet. I, I am not sure you know, if I'm going to do all three or choose one, but you could do all three and still have some fun with it. So, uh, and still make out at the end of the day. So that's where my mind was going. I was leaning the one, two, three finish and then talked myself out of it after I did a little bit of research because what seems to happen if you're looking back at the past races at Kansas is that manufacturers tend to kind of hit it on the nose and the top five are typically, it does vary, um, but the top five is usually filled with a specific manufacturer, maybe three of the five or four of the five, um, Toyotas, Ford, Chevy, it doesn't matter. Um, so if you catch that one, two lightning in the bottle, which has happened this year with this next gen car a few times, we've hit that bet a few times. Um, then we'd be making out like a bandit this weekend, especially if it's Ford. If they come to play, oh baby, watch out. So speaking of some more Fords, I'm going to stay in that camp because I'm just looking for a huge value. All right. This is a top 10 bet. And I don't think it's very likely, but the only reason I'm calling this out is because it's plus 600 for Chris Busher. All right. That is the longest odds we've seen for him in a long time to finish in the top 10. He's three for 10 at Kansas in his last 10 races, so 30% of the time. So the way I kind of came across Busher was I was going by top 10 percentage in the last 10 races and cross-referencing that with where these guys are going off with the odds. And he by far is the best percentage and value for the bet. So 30% at plus 600, that's, you know, hands down the best situation you're going to find. And part of those 10 races, he's got 12 and 13th place finishes. So um, five for 10, 50% of the time he's finishing in the top 13. Again, potentially giving you a shot. Now he's been pretty bad this year on these tracks. So I have to be straight honest with you there. These comp tracks are not working out in his favor. He is way down the list when we're looking at average finish and especially driver rating. They just haven't come to him. But uh, I would say that Busher, you know, out of the playoffs, he's kind of thrown it all out there. Plus 600. It's a little sprinkle for me, I think, you know, because at some point, as we saw last week with Jones, like these next gen cars, anything could kind of come to life. So a uh, little toss out there. Maybe wait till after qualifying, you know, because even if he does qualify well, you're still going to get him at a decent number. So I'm just throwing those stats out there for you to be aware of it and then work off of that. The other guy that I'm going to call out here is his teammate and owner, Brad Keselowski, because he's plus 200 to finish in the top 10. He's five for 10 in the last 10 races at Kansas, and he finished 14th earlier this year. Now, lately, digging into Brad a little bit, you know, top 10 might be a little bit of a tall order because I think Brad Kozlowski, looking at his past performance recently and, you know, basically going off of his stats from Kansas, I think Brad's going to be hovering right around that 14-15 mark. Um, if he does better than that and you have him at top 10 plus 200, great. But you can also take him in 
plus 165 odds in a group bet against Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Eric Almarola, and Chris Buescher. So I think that that might be the best way you can get something here on Brad, a driver who, like I said, I think will finish top 15. So will those other guys finish in the top 15? I made my case about Busher, how he has potential, but it's a little bit more of a long shot. I think Brad, you can consistently say that is going to happen. So, you know, unless there's an act of God situation, uh, Almarola and Ricky Stenhouse, I do not have faith in at this racetrack. So plus 165, not too shabby to beat three other guys. I like the group bet scenario there for Brad, who has in the two car been pretty good at this track. So um, the, the ones I'm definitely going with, Bowman plus 100, top 10. I like the group bet on him, plus 330. Harvick to be the top forward at plus 225. Look to sprinkle some on your manufacturer bets, 1-2, but avoid the 1-2-3 finish. And a uh, little look at Busher and Kozlowski uh, for that group bet, plus 165. So lock me in there for those guys, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. you send my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. So now we've reached the part of the podcast where we talk about the head-to-head matchups. And typically, this is where, you know, I bring in a guest to get into a little full-tank face-off. But because I'm solo this week, we're back to the basics, calling out some head-to-head matchups that we like. And one of the reasons why I didn't have a guest on this week um, was because this was actually the, the night that I typically record Tuesday nights is actually my anniversary. So I knew it was going to be a little crazy and chaotic trying to schedule things. Um, so I wanted to just keep it, you know, nice and lean, nice and limber. Didn't want to leave anyone hanging if I had to change some things up, which I obviously did because of DraftKings. So it kind of worked out in the long run anyway. But where I'm going with this is I've had some success just blindly throwing parlays in that, you know, kind of rhyme with parlay. So earlier this year, we just missed on the vacay parlay during the Indy Road Course. That definitely should have hit, uh, but Chastain messed everything up there for us. Um, the Shea parlay, named after my daughter's birthday, that has hit two years in a row. So this one, I'm going to go with the anniversary parlay and um, the dates based off of the cars. Uh, the 9, 6, 14 is when we got married. The 6 car is not available in a head-to-head matchup. So because we've been married for 8 years, the anniversary parlay is Chase Elliott, the 9 car over Larson, Briscoe, the 14 car over Cindric, and Tyler Reddick over Chastain. Now, obviously, I called out Larson as a car I like to win the race. Um, Cindric and Briscoe, whoo, Man, that is a that's a tough one to try to argue either side. But hey, we'll go with Briscoe here, and then Reddick. I clearly like um, because I called him out with a chance to win the race earlier tonight. So um, I'm gonna ride with that one, and we'll see if uh, that's gonna pay for my anniversary dinner here. Plus five ninety five is the odds there if you want to roll blind with that parlay. But let's get to some bets that I actually am putting some real thought into here, and I've got two of them that I'm gonna call out. I really like these two bets. So the first one I'm going to start with is Eric Jones versus Daniel Suarez. And this one, I just can't seem to wrap my head around it. Eric Jones is plus money here, plus 115 to Daniel Suarez is minus 135 on DraftKings right now. And these odds just don't make sense to me. Like if they were even odds, I would say I'm still going with Jones. So Jones is who I'm going with here. Daniel Suarez has zero top 10s in his last 10 races at 
Kansas, three top 15s in that time span. He finished 33rd in the spring, and that, you know, coincidentally was just one spot behind Eric Jones. He was 11 laps down. He kind of spun on his own, ended up having a tire issue, I believe it was. And so the point here is that Suarez hasn't really done much to try to say, hey, he deserves to be the favorite here. I think this line is just out of whack. If you look at Eric Jones, he's coming off of this win. So will he have a win hangover? Maybe. But his statistics at Kansas, he's 5 for 10, finishing in the top 10. Now, you got to take that with a grain of salt because all of those came with Joe Gibbs Racing when he was over there. Uh, but he has proven that he can run well in 2022 in this 43 car. Proved it last week, right? So... If he's going to a track where he has had success in the past as a driver, and now you've got a car with momentum, you got a team that believes, I mean, I think that's a solid combination. And all we got to do is beat Suarez in this matchup. Now, 1.5 mile tracks this year, the, the four comp tracks, green flag speed, Jones is 17th, Suarez is 18th, according to that green flag speed spot. And Kansas earlier this year, green flag speed at that track specifically. Jones was 24th, not great, but Suarez was 31st. I mean, if you look at the quarters, you break it down by quarters, Suarez really didn't even have any quarters that he looked good during that race. In 2022, the average finish is 21.0 for Jones. Suarez is 30.0 on comp tracks this year. That's his average finish. So just to name a couple guys who have better average finishes than him on these comp tracks, Josh Balicki, BJ McLeod, Cody Ware, all of those guys have better average finishes than Daniel Suarez. So I don't understand why Suarez would be going off as the favorite in this matchup. I'd have to assume it's because he's in the playoffs, but I am going to take the plus money here and go with Eric Jones, our champion from the Southern 500, hoping that he does not have a hangover this week and he can get it done because I think Suarez, history would have it, that he would run into some trouble here. So I just got to hope that Jones can outlast that. So um, lock me in for Eric Jones. I really like this one in this head-to-head matchup. Now, the second and final one that I'm going to call out here, I wanted something on Denny Hamlin. I needed to find a way to throw something down on him because he is driving so well right now, right? This is him coming into his own and finished second last week. We had a money line last week, just missed. He finished fourth at Richmond, third at Michigan. He crossed the line first at Pocono. I mean, he's the only driver at Kansas with multiple wins in the last 10 races. So his stats uh, compared to Kyle Busch, who's his opponent in this matchup and obviously his teammate for now, uh, are very similar. So I'm going to go back to back here when I'm ripping off these stats to try to call out, you know, who's better in these stats. They're, They're very similar. It's for Hamlin, two wins, six top fives, six top tens. For Busch, one win, five top fives, seven top tens. For Kyle Busch, Hamlin is 10 for 10 finishing in the top 20. So you know, at Kansas, he's going to be there in the top 20. He he will figure it out. He's not going to do anything crazy and put himself out of the race. Bush has had uh, finishes outside the top 20 during that time span. Green flag speed this year on the comp tracks. Hamlin is second. Bush is third. Uh, Kyle had the first best Green flag speed at the first Kansas race. So there's something to be said about that for sure. Average finish, though, on these types of tracks, 
10.0 compared to 11.3, Hamlin wins that one as well. So for me, they're very similar, but it comes down to current form. Kyle has been struggling as of late. You know, he, he was able to snag a top 10 at Daytona, uh, but Hamlin, like I said, he's just figured it out. He had a rough start to the year. The fade Hamlin train definitely made you some money, but this week right now is a big one for Kyle Busch. He said that he's starting to come down to the wire now with his contract for next year. A lot of people are going to be asking him about that. Um, I don't know if that monkey's still on his back or not, if that's what's causing all of these bad finishes for him. That streak outside the top 10 was like a career long. So give me the driver who has just proven that he's getting better. He's a veteran who's figuring out this car, going to a track that he clearly likes, during a year where he's been able to prove that he has fast cars on these tracks. Denny Hamlin, minus 115 over Kyle Busch. That's my pick, and uh, I'm going with it. I needed something on the 11 car. So to recap, we've got the anniversary parlay, Chase over Larson, Briscoe over Sindrick, Reddick over Chastain uh, at a plus 595 value. But uh, if you're not into the, the blind parlays for fun, I'm really into Jones plus 115 over Suarez and Hamlin minus 115 over Kyle Busch. Get them now before qualifying. So now we've reached the part of the podcast that we typically call Phil's fired up. And sometimes it's because I'm ranting about something that has just not worked out in my favor or I have a complaint about something. But in this case, I am fired up for Friday Night Lights. The trucks are back. I don't know how long it's been. I feel like it's been four weeks, like a full month, it feels like. These guys have been off, and it's going to feel so great to see them you know, under the lights on Friday night at Kansas. I am very much looking forward to this. So we want to talk about some different guys here. i got three guys that I want to call out for the truck race, and I'm putting some bets in early. And then I want to talk about uh, a sports book that is new to me that has uh, some of the most truck options that you can find out there right now. So we got to start with the guy who is currently going off as the favorite on DraftKings. It's Zane Smith. He's plus 450 to win the race. He won Kansas earlier this year, which is uh, pretty important. And I'd have to imagine that's why he is the favorite right now. But we've got three tracks on the circuit that you could say are comp tracks. And um, my stats site, I think, is a little wonky. He finished second, excuse me, first at Kansas, fifth at Charlotte. And uh, he had a rough go at Vegas, I'm pretty sure, according to Racing Reference. But my stat site says that his average finish is 2.7 in three tracks. I don't think that that's true. But the fact of the matter is he has driven pretty damn well on these comp tracks. Now, if you're looking at current form, because those were a little further back in the, the year, he struggled at Pocono. And I remember that specifically because I bet on him pretty heavily at Pocono. And he just, I don't know, he wasn't there. So I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth since then. And uh, that is really, looking back on it, though, kind of came to the reality, like, that's really his only blemish in the last nine races. He's eight for nine in the last nine races, finishing within the top 10. And six of those, he was in the top five. So Zane Smith at plus 450 is definitely going to give you a shot to win the race. Now, the question about betting on race, or excuse me, on Zane money line is do you want to do it before or after qualifying? Uh, because if he goes out and puts the car 
you know, on the pole or close to it, you might see that number dip a little bit. So um, I don't know how much it would drop if some of these other guys, these bigger name guys actually um, performed better than Zane in qualifying. So it seems like it's kind of, um, you know, a large spectrum there. I'm a little nervous to take him now because I have FOMO, uh, but if he doesn't qualify well, you kind of, if you don't bet on him now, you're kind of rooting for him to not qualify well to hope that you get some better odds. But I like 450. I think that's a pretty decent number for Zane. Um, so I'm going to ride with that. Now, the other thing I wanted to call out was he's got a head-to-head matchup right now against John Hunter Nemechek. And Nemechek's average finish on these comp tracks this season is 11.2. He has not uh, been as good as Zane on these comp tracks. And so I, you know, head-to-head against Nemechek this year, Zane has been performing very well. If you've taken that bet every single time it's available this year, I think you'd be making out pretty good. So Zane versus John Hunter is definitely something that I'm going to be taking as well. And uh, we'll see what happens in qualifying. If John Hunter has a good qualifying, then I uh, might be able to get that matchup at a different number. Right now, it's a even odds situation. So Zane, got to be in on our guy, Zane. He's been so good this year. And after a long break, you know, you got to maybe go back to the, the guys who are just naturally been great this year. Now, the next guy I'm calling out, I am a little surprised at the value here. It's Ryan Priest. Yeah, you remember Ryan Priest? He was in the Cup Series for a long period of time. And this year, he's just kind of riding around in all different series. Uh, Priest. His mindset might be a little bit different right now, actually. I'm just thinking about that because I think we thought because he was the emergency driver or the, whatever they call him, the bullpen driver for Stuart Haas Racing, I think that he thought he was taking over that 10 car next year. But now Marola's back. So he might be kind of auditioning all over the place right now, which is another reason why you might be able to you know, snag him at a good value here at plus 700. He's only started seven races in the Cup Series this year, but he has performed very, very well. Six for seven, finishing the top 10, and he's got four top five finishes. He won the race at Nashville, so, you know, he's able to go get it done in the trucks, even though he's been in the Cup Series for a long period of time. And his last two times that he was in the trucks, he finished second and first at Nashville. So it's great value for him. I mean, plus 700 is really good. Also, he's going up against Corey Heim and he's uh, minus 125 in that matchup. Give me that all day and night. So Heim also running uh, not a full schedule. They've been on the track together at the same time five times this season and Priest has come out victorious in a head-to-head matchup four to one. So give me that matchup all day. Throw that in. Parlay that with Zane over John Hunter. But uh, definitely worth your time looking at Priest plus 700 as well. That's some good value there. Now, the last guy I'm going to talk about for the trucks this weekend is Chandler Smith. How can we not talk about Chandler Smith? I am shocked that he is not going off as one of the co-favorites right now. He's plus 600. I think you need to have him on your card. He won the Vegas race, finished fourth at Kansas last time we were here. His average finish in the three comp tracks that we're talking about here is 4.7. 
All right, so after you figure that out with the, the Zane stats being kind of out of whack, you realize that that is the best in the truck series, 4.7 average finish at these comp tracks. He's won two of the last three races the trucks had. Now, I know we've had a long time to cool off here, but to me, you know, this is the best possible track. If you're Chandler Smith, these types of tracks are perfect to kind of get back into the groove of things, a little bit, you know, more technical and you're getting down to more of like a muscle memory situation, I think, on these mile and a halfs. So I don't see how he's going off at plus 600. I need to snag that and get that on my card. Um, three career Kansas starts. His average finish in those three starts is 6.7. Really good numbers here for Chandler Smith. If I see him in any way, shape, or form in a head-to-head -head matchup, I got to take it. So Chandler Smith definitely needs to be somebody that you're looking pretty hard at this week, along with Zane and Ryan Priest. Now, I wanted to take a second here to call out a sports book that just became available to me in Pennsylvania because they have the most truck series bets that I've seen from any of the books that are available to me, and it's Caesars Sportsbook. They just became legal in Pennsylvania, and I was logging in there, and they've got so many bets compared to what DraftKings has. Um, DraftKings just has um, money line, top three, top five, and uh, a couple head-to-head matchups. Well, we've got championship odds on Caesars for the trucks. We've also got the, the money line situation, as well as top Chevy, top Toyota, top Ford, which is pretty cool to be able to bet on that in the trucks. We just called that out for Harvick in the Cup Series. Well, how about the truck series? Not too shabby. Then we've got all sorts of group bets. We've got A, B, G, H. Um, I don't know what's going on with the numbers there or the letters there, but um, I'm looking at group G as one option because uh, Carson Hosever is plus 210 over Majeski Friesen, who is just dismal at this racetrack, and Christian Eckes. So um, I like that host of our bet there in that group. And then there was also a bet uh, with some of the guys who, you know, might not be a factor uh, for most of the race. It's well, Brett Moffitt jumping down into the trucks. He's minus 180 to win this group. So the next best guy is Grant Enfinger. That is somebody that I would look to because um, then it's basically just an Enfinger versus Moffitt bet and uh, not too shabby there to get those odds on that because the other guys are Matt Crafton, Derek Krause, Parker Kligerman, and Matt DiBenedetto um, at some skyrocketed odds like plus 700 for Crafton, 1,200, 1,400, 1,400 for the other guys. So uh, that's why I was saying it's you know plus 250 for Enfinger. His numbers here aren't that horrible. Obviously, the books think that Moffitt is going to go out there and really play a major role in this race. Um, so, you know, maybe you can get some decent odds there because Moffitt, I mean, finished top Toyota, excuse me, top Chevy. He's minus 160 to do that. So, uh, yeah, clearly he is a big deal. But top Chevy, if you like Hosevar, he's plus 150. And then you get into some of the guys who are much further down the list. So uh, a lot of good options here, a lot of cool things to be able to bet on. And uh, I am definitely going to be looking to sign up for Caesars to be able to get in on this action here. So um, good stuff here for the trucks this weekend. I'm so happy that they are back. And uh, we'll see what happens. Friday Night Lights, get your bets in as soon as you can because that would set you up for a really good weekend at Kansas.
Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Give me a look on Twitter and Instagram at Full Tank Phil. Send me a message. I love to talk shop with anybody who wants to. And um, get your bets in and let's make some money this week at Kansas because next week we've got one of the crown jewel races, in my opinion, the Bristol Night Race, and it's a cutoff race. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time for Bristol, baby. Place to go. Have no place to go. Good.